Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Together Marketing Podcast. This is episode four, where we're going to be learning all about voice in B2B marketing. For those of you who don't know me already, I am Alex Weber, the Marketing Manager at Together, and joining me today is Harry Radcliffe. It's a pleasure and an honour. <laughs> Harry is our audio producer here at Together, and he is the man behind the mic. We're joining him today in his audio booth, which has been set up at Together lately. And oh, it's a joy in here. We're enjoying the sound quality. It's yeah. much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> It's, it's, it's two people, we're in a foam-lined room, mm. like we're, we're just missing the straight jackets. <laughs> hey, we can probably say that, you can edit yeah, out my giggling. No, I'm, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> so like I said, today we're going to be looking all around voice in marketing and why it's relevant to B2B marketers. So the first question I really want to ask you is what role do you think voice is going to play in B2B marketing? Uh, well, my job depends on me saying a huge one, uh, but I do believe that that's true. That th- I do believe it's true. By 2020, 30% of internet searches will be done by voice. If you've got an Alexa or a Google Home, you might understand that. People are always saying, oh, Alexa, yada, yada, yada. It's just happening all the time and people aren't realizing it, but soon that's going to be a third of results. But when you ask a question in voice form, you get an answer in voice form. And therefore, Google is prioritizing audio results, or that's their plan. And what's more, 75% of business-to-business sales start with a search. So I can see that that's going to be huge. 30% of 75, I'm not a mathematician, I'm a voice guy. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of searches that are happening by voice, so we need voice results. Oh, exactly. So it needs to be something that we're considering straight away. I know there's Mm. a lot of technical side to how... Uh, you get a voice response, for instance, when yeah. you ask a question, you know, we can get to that later. Yeah. But if Google, and uh, to be seen as a business, if we're going to have to consider voice results, we really need to start thinking about this sooner rather than later. Oh, and especially local. So this is what's interesting. Local businesses way more. Because you'll say something like, if I was to Google search cafe or, or place where I can buy coffee, it will give me results from Starbucks and stuff. But if I talk to a machine, you put, use filler words and you use longer sentences. So you get more specific answers. If I want to find a coffee shop, I say, OK, Google, tell me where's the nearest coffee shop that I can buy something at? And it will go, oh, OK, that's saying it. I would never type in that question, but it will give me different results that are often more local because you say near me. And I think that's really interesting to go on that kind of note of digital assistance. Again, mm. do you think that is another reason why... Voice has to be considered as marketers. I mean, we something's going on with these digital assistants. They are going to be everywhere. They're going to be in about a third of homes in America. I don't know the stats for the UK. But when you look at them and you see someone interact with them, particularly when the interaction goes well, there's often the times when we see it go... I'm sorry, I do not understand that question. You know, something like that. And we, think, and we think, oh, those things are rubbish, you know. If you look 10 years back at the phones we were using, we'd scoff at them. Over the next five to 10 years, I ha- I'm borderline scared of what these things are going to be capable. It's going to be bizarre how much we're going to be using voice. I think that's really evident because there's a nice statistic out there at the moment which shows from 2015 to 2018, advertising spend on podcasts alone mm-hmm. has increased from 113 million to 316 million. That's yeah. expected to rise to 635 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so why do you think that is? Why is voice playing such an important role? It's the power of convenience. The reason why Uber does so much better is just because it's easier. And similarly, it's easier to talk to something. And it feels more human. And that's where it's going on. Uh, There's an amazing, um, really kind of cute stat that says something like 60% of people who talk to their Alexa 
talk to them as if they were a friend. I think that's quite cute. And I think the same thing kind of happens over in podcasting. You listen to someone over, you know, seven hours a week, and the heavy users are listening to 19 hours a week fairly easily. You build relationships by a voice in a way that you don't by a text, you know? And I've heard you call this, I mean, just on the podcasting thing, you know, once you've built that human relationship yeah. with someone, you're kind of gaining their trust. You're listening to them every day. Don't you make it like sound so friends. creepy. It doesn't sound so creepy. <laughs> but I've heard you use this phrase, and it'd be great just to explain to our listeners, yeah. so that you call something listener lock-in. Yeah. And the way you explain this to us is that people have this human touch, so they feel like they've built a relationship with the person who's talking to yeah. them by the mic. So, in turn, they kind of receive a loyalty from them. We are constantly looking for entertainment. You know, we're constantly on our Twitters. We're constantly on YouTube. I'm terrible with YouTube. We can't always be watching a video or scrolling through. We'd be hit by too many cars, okay? But you can always (laughs) have something in your ear. Say you spend hours and hours in the car. You're driving around. You're a salesman or something like that. You You can learn almost anything you want. You can learn another language if you've got Duolingo. You can learn all about your product if you want to be the best employee you can be. You can take a course in philosophy. It's really kicking off just the versatility of audio. That's why it's so important. Now, let's not lock in occurs because, because you're doing something else. Let's say you're at the gym. Let's say you're walking your dog. That's your primary activity. And let's say walking my dog is going to take an hour. I'll listen to that podcast for an hour. But what I'm saying is, listener lock-in means people finish all of them. They listen to it right through. And this is another amazing stat. So let's say I listen to a podcast, I like it. Then I subscribe. Well, 90% of listens come from subscribers. But 80% of subscribers listen to all or most of every episode. But what you were talking about earlier was the human touch and the trust. Now, this is incredible as well. For the same reason, it it stems off the same branch of if I'm listening to someone seven hours a week, you like them. You can't listen to someone you don't like for seven hours a week, okay? I mean, I do that here, but but I I would never choose to do it at home. Uh, And because of that, so 300,000 podcast listeners were surveyed. 71% had visited an advertiser's website and 65% had bought a product advertised to them. That's incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. There's a few reasons for that. One of which is definitely the trust. Another one is um, podcasts are very niche. So if I'm listening to a, a cookery podcast or a Beatles podcast... You have a very good idea of what that type of person wants to buy, so you can you can target to niche audiences quite well. But also, the podcast advert is part of the podcast. It kind of transitions seamlessly. There's no moment where the podcast kind of ends and you kind of get pulled out of whatever you're doing and you're being sold to by a different voice. It transitions from, I love this guy, we're having a good laugh, and he goes, oh, by the way, you should really use ZipRecruiter. And it's in the style of the person. You just like them and you trust them like it's a recommendation rather than an advertisement. Again, maybe that's another good point. The fact that you don't feel like you're being advertised to Mm -hmm. on a podcast necessarily. So a lot of the things that you were talking about then are quite relevant to the consumer brands, to the B2C market. But everybody tuning in today is listening for B2B reasons. And Mm -hmm. why is it so relevant to B2B marketers? How do they know that their audiences are there? In my opinion, B2B marketers have it even better than B2C marketers. So... The same kind of uh, rules and logic applies, but with slightly different outcomes. So, as opposed to having fans of any particular topic, you know, be it the Beatles or something of the sort, you are offering something relevant to business to business, okay? 
Seems obvious. So now you have to ask yourself, who are the top percentage of people who are going to use their spare time to brush up on business to business information and make sure they're on the cutting edge? If you're making a Beatles podcast, you're talking to the top 1% of Beatles fans. Well, now you're talking to the top 1% of business to business employees. Yeah. Right there. They are the people that come to you. You don't even have to go out and find them. If you make the podcast, they are trying to find your content. 44% of business-to-business podcast listeners are CEOs, department heads, and C-suite decision makers. That's bizarre. That's incredible. That's everybody's ideal market. The average podcast listener just across the board earns $10,000 more a year. And it's not the case that, I'm sorry, if you're listening to this, <laughs> then you're in the dollar, baby. But if, if, uh, if you tell your friend that stat and they start listening to podcasts tomorrow, it's unlikely that they'll get a raise. It's just that the type of person who wants to listen to podcasts is the type of person who ends up earning more. And in B2B, these are the people that make the decisions. So business to consumer, we have a million listeners and we want some of them to use our promo code. In business to business, we have, let's say, 100 listeners, 44 of which... <laughs> I'm not sure, did you catch that, listeners? Uh, uh, I think you said many? 44% of these uh, listeners. department heads, C-suite decision makers. You need one of them, one of them to decide, yeah, that's for me. We need the right people listening as opposed to everyone listening. And I think something really beautiful about that is what may have, may have been a bit lost with market, B2B marketing lately... Mm-hmm is the content still really is king. This is no longer about putting a spend in front of someone in order Mm -hmm. to get your message to them. These people are choosing to hear what you have to say. But it is just important to consider what message you want to get out there Mm -hmm. as well. This is no longer a case of taking a product and selling it and putting out key statistics and trying to get it in front of these Mm -hmm. people. You need to give them something relevant back. So what bits of advice would you give to B2B marketers who are looking to start something like a podcast? So this is the huge problem with business-to-business podcast people. They seem to think that people will tune in to listen to an hour-long advert. That's rubbish. That's absolutely rubbish. When making kind of any content, anything that you want people to to listen to and you want to... You want to make something fantastic out of it. You can't chase the money. You can't chase the results. If I write a song, let's say, and I'm going, this song's going to make me a million pounds, I've done it all wrong. You have to write from the heart and then people connect with that. It's just the same here. You need to make content that they want to listen to, information that is pertinent to them, advice that they haven't heard before, and then you've got then you've got their ear, but you have to earn their ear. And I think what's a beautiful starting point from that for B2B marketers is actually a lot of us already understand this, are already putting out content that Mm. is valuable and can really be repurposed. And I think the beauty behind all of everything that you're saying about, you know, content really needs to be considered and people will come to you is that a lot of brands are already doing this in blog posts. They're doing this on social. There's a lot of existing content out there. They just need to reconsider the value that voice as part of their marketing mix will offer. And that kills me. It kills me. I have to read a lot of blogs from uh, some of our clients. And some of them are just so good. They're just so good. And I get to the bottom of it, I'm like, great. And I see zero thumbs up, zero comments. And I'm like, this person has some brilliant ideas. But no one is hearing it. And it's so annoying because the blog post is not as respected of an art form as it deserves to be. But... Let's also be real at the same time. When was the last time that you stopped doing what you're doing to, to read a blog post? Mm. When you had the time 
yeah, to stop and exactly that. Content. Exactly that. On that note, you made a really good point there that one of the beautiful things about putting out content through a podcast yeah. is that you're not asking anybody for any more time yeah. and I think at the top of num- the number one point on every B2B marketer's persona of their ideal client is that these people are time poor yep. lots of content that our clients produce and the B2B marketers produce are playbooks white papers yep. big pieces of information which are definitely worth their audience's yep. time but the audience doesn't have the time to consume this yeah 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 how does audio get around this? So aside from podcasting, what other products and tools can marketers put into their mix to get their job done? So what's beautiful about voice is we're making all this content. We're spending so much. I mean, I read these playbooks and I'm always so impressed. Uh, we, we've made some corkers in our times. Once you have that, squeeze that lemon dry. Virtual assistant skills we have had real success with. Most of the time, if I want to read a playbook, the first time I read a playbook, let's say, I want to read it all. I don't want to read it all twice. If you have a virtual assistant custom skill, which is um, a programmed question, and then you have a programmed answer. So let's say I've got an Alexa on the table and I need to say, oh, how many gigabytes does this product have again? Or, oh, wh- what, what do I do in this situation? And it just gives you that information. So let's apply that to partners, I think you said. Well, there you go. Head of partners. That People are making content for their partners all the time. That In the bottom of their hearts, they kind of know 75% never makes it. But they, they, must, they must think, oh, there's some really great stuff there. Spend the time putting it all in a virtual skill. And whenever your partner goes, oh, and they're in that situation, they know they can just say, how do I deal with this? And you're right there. It's like having the head of partner marketing. Exactly. In, in your home, sat on your desk. It allows you to essentially mass produce your best employee. The person who you wish could be everywhere, you can put them everywhere in, you know, in essence. Mm-hmm. And you can ask it anything and just get what you need to know. It's brilliant. We've been really excited about voice in marketing mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. It's just a brilliant addition to every everything that you do as part yeah. of your entire marketing mix. And something that still really, really hits home is the point you made at the beginning about how emotive audio can be Absolutely. and how much more engaging it is. And I know you got really excited the other day about an app. Oh, I freaked out if that's the one you're talking about. Um, the one with Peter Rabbit. Yeah. Lordy May. So I was... Alex and I were in a meeting... And we and John Busby walks in. He goes, "You've got to try this." He hands me his phone, and it's just a page from Peter Rabbit. I start to read it, and I get to a line where it says there was a carriage going along, and suddenly the noise of a carriage starts coming, and I just lost my mind instantly. And that's got me so excited. I don't know exactly how yet, but that technology in a presentation, when you say something. And then you have audio to back you up. Just having something to make your presentations and add that other dimension can really set you apart. There's so many exciting things. And like you said, and that is all prompted by voices. There's nothing new. But really, in the marketing world, it absolutely is. We're only just scratching the surface of the abilities of voice in marketing. So I'm just going to wrap this up now because... If you don't wrap it up now, I'll I'll just keep going. (laughs) I might say, well, if we don't wrap this up now, I think we'll just keep on going because we're so excited about audio. I'm losing my mind. We would definitely do another podcast on this for our B2B marketing Mm. listeners. But if anybody hasn't got any questions, feel free to get in touch with us here at Together. Give us an email if you want a guest spot. If you have anything you'd like to talk about, 
absolutely willing to to give you a, to give you a platform. We'd we'd love to learn about you know what you think is important in B two B right now. Yeah, absolutely, Harry. If anybody ha- anybody out there does have anything that they'd like to hear on this podcast or would like to get involved, we will keep our email address in our description, so you can hit us up there. That's a good idea. Thank you very much for joining us all today, and have a lovely day.